0: welcome. Praise God. There are way too many of you. I cannot go through names tonight because the clock is running. You know, we have to fold a year to unfold another one. Are you ready tonight? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your incredible love towards us. We bless your name for your mighty grace, your amazing grace that you've given unto us so freely. Thank you again, as has been said already, for the culmination of another year. We bless you for the privilege of partaking in the unfolding of a new one. And in this new year, we declare and we decree that 2018 will be a year of unexplained goodness. Unexplained mercy unexplained happenings to your people because you are dependable, because you are reliable, and because you are intentional. We bless your name, Father, in Jesus' name. Praise God. So quickly tonight, let's just dive into the word of God. If you just go with me to John chapter 19, I'm going to be speaking tonight using the title, Resting in the finished work of Christ. Resting in the spiritual, I mean, in the finished work of Christ. I'm almost ahead of myself there. That word rest, as I used it, is not a vacation. We are referring to a spiritual rest. And I know there are many people here tonight that may not have heard us when we began to address this subject. So I may take a little time to give you some background so you fully understand what God is trying to say to us on this last service of the old year getting into the new year. Resting in the finished work of Christ. You know, as we sung that song, dependable God, reliable God. You know what makes him dependable? You know what makes him reliable? You know what makes him intentional? It is because of the finished work. It is the finishing of the work that makes him dependable. The work is already done. It's a done what deal. And in this passage in John chapter 19, in verse 30, John 19, 30. The Bible reads, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is Finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, I'd like to point to your attention that he did not die. He just what? Gave up his spirit. There's a difference between dying and giving something up. If he gave it up, he did so with confidence, knowing he can pick it back up again. That is the unique difference between the Jesus we serve and all the others fake gods yes. of yes. the world yes. so he announced and said what it is finished now if you go to revelation chapter 13 in verse 8 let me yeah it's there okay revelation chapter 13 verse 8 and all who dwell on the earth will worship him, those, I mean, rather, whose names have not been written in the book of, Li- Lam- in the book of life of a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. <laughs> there is so much that we want to unpack tonight. And I want you to recognize that the faith we have, the faith we, uh, we've been given, the, 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 the worship, the relationship we have with Jesus is rock solid, dependable, reliable, intentional. Yes. You are going to see some things tonight in the scriptures that I'm hoping praying will trigger some things in you that will totally, completely change your life for good in Jesus' name. The rest in the finished work of Christ is the foundation of creation itself. Did you hear that? The finished work is in fact not only just the foundation of our faith now, it is, but you must know that the finished work precedes us and goes way back to evil creation. Now, when I refer to the term finished work, I'm talking about the atonement and the once for all sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. When he went to that cross, at Calvary, the place of the greatest demonstration of God's love to mankind, when he went there and made the proclamation and said, it is finished, what that is saying to us is everything that has to do with my redemption, your redemption, your salvation, my salvation, everything that has to do with God's dealing with man has been totally, completely finished and perfected. Now, what I said... Is that that finished work is in fact the foundation of creation itself. I'm saying that again and again because you've got to see this. And once you see this, you will never again remain the same. Why am I saying that the finished work is the foundation of creation? Very simple. Go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. God is awesome. You see, God is not just scratching his head and saying, man, fail. what will I do? How will I fix it? He fixed it before we fell. He did not have to wait for man to sin for him to fix the sin problem. He already had the solution before sin showed up. He had the healing before you he became sick. He had prosperity before you became broke. My God, he had favor before you needed it. The cross ensured that it is the foundation of creation. Why do I say that? Let me take you to the word Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, verse 8, verse 13, verse 19, verse 23, verse 31. I know you couldn't read that fast. <laughs> But I give them all to you anyway, because it's the same verse. What did he say in verse 5? God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Full stop. Now look at the next sentence. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And you read those other verses, that last sentence is the same. What's the point I'm making? When God began the creation of the days of the week, he started with the evening before he did the morning. Yes, oh, my goodness. Wow. What do you do in the evening time? after you've worked all day. Yes, <laughs> you go to work during the day? Yes, it's 5 p.m., 6 p.m., you clock out, you go home and chill out. You work during the day, and you rest in the evening. God said, because Jesus Christ is the foundation, he is the lamb of God that was slain before the world, therefore, rest can come into play at the very beginning of creation. So God, in creating the days, will not make the morning and the evening. No, 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 no. He started in the evening, and then he made the morning. Why? He said to you, I created the creation for an in rest. Did I lose anybody? Is that clear? Is that simple? Evening and morning. Me and you, as humans, we start the day in the morning and end in the evening. God says, I start at the end and then I go back to the beginning. That's why it's the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the ending. The first and the last. Hallelujah. The evening and the morning. So the finished work of Christ was the foundation upon which God built everything else. That is why the revelation of God's grace is an amazing thing. This spiritual rest that we are talking about is the greatest result of the revelation of grace. Nothing, nothing, and I mean this when I say this, nothing has had a more practical impact on my life than knowing that Jesus is for me, that Jesus loves me, that Jesus smiles at me, that Jesus likes what he sees when he's looking at me, and that Jesus is not counting my sins against me. Hallelujah. Oh my God, you guys are looking at me funny. You guys are looking at me funny. You don't understand this. Listen, he took care of it before you ever came in here. God is not angry tonight. All his wrath and all his anger, he placed upon his son. And when Jesus took that, he took it in your stead. He took it as me and he took it as you. As a result of the revelation of God's grace and entering into this place, this realm called rest, I find myself automatically becoming a do-gooder than ever before. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Because the the grace of God and the revelation of his rest sets you free in such a way that as you behold Jesus, you can sing. You, you, it is mutually exclusive because when you behold Him, everything that is around you grows strangely dim. Are you following me tonight? Yeah. Resting in the finished work. Now, what do you mean by rest? What am I talking about rest? Rest for the believer, for those who are born again, is a place a ram where you come to understand and totally, completely rely and depend on God for your very existence. Let me say that again slowly. Rest is the place and the realm. When a believer comes to the realization that everything you need, everything you are, everything that relates to your existence is totally, completely taking care by God, and you just simply wait for Him to unfold it. Yes. You are not only doing things. Why? Because He has done it. Yes. He's done it. You are at rest. So rest, as we speak, it is not speaking of taking a vacation, sitting down, just not doing anything. That's not what rest means. Rest means I've come to this place where I totally, completely trust God for my life. Jesus becomes autopilot. Yes. He tells you where to go, you go. Yes. He tells you what you do, you do it. Yes. And when he doesn't move, you don't move. Yes. Because he has already totally... And I'm going to show you in the scriptures tonight. Because you need to see... and you, you, you need to see this clearly. So you can enter into this realm. And rest there and live there. And find how God has already made provisions for you. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now... The evidence that some of us may not be at rest or in rest is fear. Let me deal with that first. And I started that a little bit this morning. King Saul of Israel, the first king of Israel, is a classical, typical example of a man or a woman who is a believer but lives under the carnality of the flesh. And as a result of that, not fully able to enter into the rest that God has for him. So King Saul's life was characterized, number one, with failure to seek God. 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 3, I'm not going to read that, but I'll give you the reference. Throughout 40 years of his life as a king, he did not seek God one time. When there was a battle, he was afraid. He said, bring the act of God. And then, of course, the battle came so quickly. He said, no, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. Very careless king. As a result of not seeking God, his entire life was dominated by fear. Now, I'm, I'm going here this, this evening just to show us a couple of things about fear, rest, and the love of God. Many of us are not able to step in this ramp Because we are just afraid. Suppose God don't do it. My rent is due. What happens if I don't have the money in my account? My car payment is due. What happens if I don't have the money? My children are out there playing. What are they doing? What are they seeing? Are they going to get in trouble? We become like Job. Offering sacrifices in advance before our kids get in trouble. So fear gripped this king and as a result... You will read in the scriptures that a distressing spirit came upon him. I've always read that and wondered how could that happen? How? Because this man, Saul, from what we've read about him in scripture, is a type of a believer. We know that because the Bible said when the anointing of God came upon him, he was a changed man. And we know that because someone said, tomorrow you'll be with me. However, a distressing spirit came upon him, why, how what is that about I'm glad you asked go with me to 1st John 1st John and I, I've got to touch this and go quickly 1st John chapter 4 1st John chapter 4 verse 18 there is no fear in love this is Saul's problem but perfect love cast out fear. Why was he fearful? He was not scared about the love of God. Why was he afraid? He never came to grip Pastor Charles with how much God loves him. Now look at the consequence. Because what? Fear involves torment. Why was Saul tormented? Because of the absence of love. Fear replaced love in his life and as a result, it was tormented. Some of us cannot sleep because you are afraid. If you sleep in the dark, hey! Things have happened and we are so fearful and we allow the enemy to grip us in distress because we are not certain and assured of how much God loves us. This was Saul's problem. Fear led to insecurity. Insecurity led to jealousy. If these things are not addressed, it just continues to just get expanded. It became a killer of God's messengers. But this is the danger. While all of this was going on in Saul's life, Pastor Paul, he was winning some battles. You didn't hear what I just said. Even though he was a fleshly, carnal man, he had some victory trophies on his shelf. And those trophies of victory continued to deceive him to think that things were fine. But tonight, in the name of Jesus, you and I will get to that place where we can completely come to the rest of God in his finished work. Now, there are two powerful examples I want to go to to establish this point. Number one, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We want to look at what God did with Adam. Resting in the finished work. In Genesis chapter 2, in verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So now, after six days of creation, Adam was brought forth. The next day after Adam was created was the seventh day. In so doing, God is showing you and I from what is done in the past how man was brought forth in an environment in an atmosphere in a realm of rest because the very first day that Adam spent on planet earth was the seventh day. What is the significance of that? Well, when he came in on the seventh day, he did not have to worry about paying rent. It was already paid. Garden of Eden. That's your home. He did not have to worry about buying grocery. All the fruits in the garden. They are yours to eat, Adam. Everything he needed was already finished before it was brought forth. If God did that for the first Adam, And Jesus announced to us in John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. In other words, just as my father, in the beginning, finished it before he began it. Even so, I have now come to finish your needs before you can even begin. So you and I, will begin our journey from the finishing line. We've got much more on Usain Bolt, my God. Hussein has to line up at the beginning. On your marks, get ready, go. And he runs to the finishing line. But you and I were grafted in by God and we are beginning our journey at the finishing line. I don't know about you. I'm telling you, God has rigged the system in your favor. Hallelujah. I don't care what the devil is saying to your ears. It doesn't matter what has been happening to you. Our God is dependable. He's reliable. He's intentional. He knew what he's doing with your life before you are brought forth. And he said his word concerning you shall not fall to the ground because God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent so he said to me so pastor but why am I going through stuff why are things not happening at the speed of sound I'm going to show you in a minute so the first example Adam second example and this one is huge God is so consistent it is scary no seriously I have never seen one I'm about to share with you until today so this one is hot off the press (laughs) now let me begin by first sharing a few scriptures to give you proper context Romans 15 verse 4 Romans 15 verse 4 so we see that Adam was created into rest. Yes. He didn't have to struggle, fight, strive for nothing. Everything was done and then God said, here you go. It's all yours. Yes. That's in the Old Testament. He did not have the Holy Spirit. So you are going to tell me that God would now, after his son has paid the price, we're going to get less? No. It's not possible. Romans 15 verse 4. Look at what it says. For whatever things were written before. When is before? Before this chapter. What was it written for? For our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Thank you. Let me go to one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers who are under the cloud all passed through the sea. Go on. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Go on, sir. All ate the same spiritual food. Go on. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock. That followed them. And that rock was Christ. Let me just pause right there. Let me pause there. I'm going to come back to this. Let me pause. If you read Numbers 33 verse 10, the Bible says the ark of God led them on a three-day journey to do what? To find a resting place for them. Yes. Don't forget that. So now, go on to verse, same chapter, verse 11. Verse 11. Now, All these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So everything God did with Israel he did it as a dramatized illustration to show you and I what we have in him. That's what Paul just said. Now Having said that, let me ask you a question tonight. Why did God dispossess the Canaanites and gave their land to Israel? Why? I'll answer the question very quickly. He did so as examples to us. Why did he do so? Answer. To show us the picture of a finished work. Okay, let me say that slowly again. The land that Israel had, according to the scriptures, God did not just create new land. Have you ever discovered that there's no God is not creating any new land? No, no. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> they may change the name. They may call it Czechoslovakia, Croatia. Now, is this is the same land? They may change USSR and say Russia, the same land. It's not creating new land, it's just dispossessing and repossessing. Now let me leave that alone. The question is why did he take the land from the Canaanites? Why did he give it to the Israelites? Please put on the board. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 10. Now, uh, uh, before we read the scripture, another quiz for us, another pop quiz. What are the most important necessities of living, of life? What's your biggest bill? Don't, don't think too hard. Just house note. Good. It's right. Your biggest expense at home. What is it? Mortgage, right? What, what's next? Food. You're right. Don't think too hard. Don't think too hard. Car, transportation. Okay. What else? Water. Good clothing. You guys are right. You're Clap for ourselves. Watch this. Verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities, which what? You did not. Oh my God. You did not build it. Grace provided it. You did not build it. God built the city, laid infrastructure, there's electricity, there is water, there are roads. He just gave it to you. You don't understand what I'm saying. Read again. Verse 11. Houses Full of all good things. You did have to go to, uh, what's the furniture store? Uh, wait a minute. minute. Do you guys have furniture on your houses? You do not have to go to Herbity's. My wife, she answered that question for very reason. She's in the store every day. I
1: mean,
0: hear me. Not only did you give them cities, they did not build. Houses that is totally, completely, tastefully, upscale furnished.
1: Yes.
0: And they did not have to pay a note for the furniture. You are telling me about the finished work of Christ? Do you have an idea what God has finished in your, in your situation? Read on. No, no, no. Go back to verse 11. House is full of all good things. Oh, not some of, not the kind of appliance some of you have in your house. You have to kick the thing before the thing works. You go to your refrigerator, the thing. All good things. things. Some of your stuff, you you hit it first, but that's not what God supplies. Top notch, best. Best class is what Jesus supplies. All good things which you did not feel. He didn't need your participation. It's all of what? Grace. It's all provided in your behalf. That is a finished work. He didn't stop there. He knows you need a city. He knows you need a house that is totally furnished. He said, I won't won't stop there. Hon out wells which you did not dig. Some of you that came from Africa, you should appreciate this. (laughs) Free well, free well. Because you are still digging in your hometown, in your villages. God supplied this. Totally, completely. They didn't have to ask for it. They didn't dig it. Why? God wants to show me and you. Remember, I read the scripture. They are done for our example. God wants to show you what the finished work looks like. America, we are are spending money for infrastructure. God said, I've already done it. You're struggling to buy a house. It's already built. You're struggling to go to furniture store. They say you can pay in (laughs) 2025. And you're happy. You say, well, I live in America 2025. No, 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 No interest. you carry it here. You take it to your house. You are sitting on debt. Every time you sit down, debt. you say, yeah, I live in America. I'm enjoying a good life. Good life? The chair you're sitting on, your grandchildren will be paying for it. But God had enough sense to know you need a city, you need a house. You need furniture. You need food. You need you need uh, water to drink. He said, "Now, not only that, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. Oh, what did this have to do? Nothing. 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 Are you seeing this? Am I making it up? No, sir. No, sir. Classic example of a finished work." The only thing you asked them to do, go take it. Yeah, that's it. Go take it. No, no. It's already done. Go take it. Those jokers, they went on the Line. <laughs> Twelve people went. Ten of them said, no way, it's not going to happen. <laughs> we saw the sons of Anak. They are giants. Watch this. They said out of their own mouth, We are like grasshoppers in our sight. And so they said about us. You didn't get it. The opposition never opened their mouth to make any declaration. These spies, they said, they felt like they were grasshoppers. God didn't call them grasshoppers. The opposition didn't call them grasshoppers. They just sensed within themselves. Based on what they could assess with their natural eyes, they seen 10 feet giants and said, Ah, oh, I'm six feet, 10 feet. No, we are like gossipers. Who said that to you? Has God not already finished it before He declared it?
1: Huge.
0: They defeated themselves on the basis of their expectations. Not because God had not already finished what he said he was going to give them. This is important. You need to get this. When God says it, it's done. It's not asking your opinion how you feel. What you see. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with your understanding. Please pack your understanding outside of the rest of, of, the, of, of, of rest. It's not, it doesn't work like that. Just take him on his word. Take him at his word. Now, let me just move on. So we see clearly there. He gave them cities they did not build. Homes they did not furnish. Wells they did not dig. Vines they did not plant. These are the same necessities that we have need of today. God gave them to them freely. Now, Jesus is beckoning you and I to get and come into this place called Rest. In Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11 in verse 28, he says to us, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just come to me. Come to me. I'm the solution. I'm the one that solved the problems. That's what I came to do. I paid the price for everything imaginable. But you need to come to me. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me from gentle and lowly heart. And you will find rest for your soul. So how do you go to Jesus to get rest? Number one, you must be born again. You must be born again by the Spirit of God. This is important. The only way you can participate with Jesus is that you become part of him. Those that God provided cities they didn't build for, houses that are furnished they didn't furnish, wells they did not dig, vines they did not plant, they were those that were redeemed of Israel. So redemption is a basic minimum requirement to participate with Jesus. He has paid the price. It's not about going to church, singing in a choir. Those things are good, but if you are singing in a choir, being a, a part of a church, and you're not born again, you still go to hell. But that's not God's plan for you. His, plans for you, his plan for you is not the plans of uh, evil, but plans of peace, and to bring it on the expected end. So you need to be born again. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's number one. Number two, number two, you need to so pursue his word. So I'm born again now. How do I know the things that God has prepared for me? How? How will I know it? Through his word. And it is through his word that I get faith to believe and trust him for the things he's made provision for. Now, let me go into some practical examples here that will help us. So we, are, we need to be born again. We need to pursue his word. And number three, we need to obey the word. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me take my time on this issue of obedience. Because in this grace era, if you are not careful, we totally, completely negate the place and the role of obedience. Now, let me explain that in a way that you can understand it. My obedience and your obedience does not make God do anything. Okay, let's, use, back, let's use, use the example of Israel. When God built the cities, or rather gave them the cities they did not build, and houses full of good things they did not buy, they did do that because they obeyed him or did not obey him? Is, is, is their is the obedience, does that have anything to do with that provision? No, no. absolutely nothing. My obedience has nothing to do with the provision of God. The provision is made regardless of my obedience. Here is the issue about obedience. Even though the provision is there, if I don't obey, then I do not get the manifestation of what's already provided. Do you see the difference? The obedience is not for God, it's for me. Because the goods are already there. He told Israel, go and possess the land. When he said that word, those guys in the land were already afraid. The Bible said it. They were already afraid as if they lost their own land. So when God spoke the word, he activated within the spoken word the ability to accomplish accomplish whatever he was saying. My obedience, however... Is what allows me to bring that into manifestation. Do you understand that relationship? So everything is made, is ready, is available. Your obedience allows you to see what God has already done. So your obedience is not works, try to get something. No. Your obedience is the corresponding action to your faith that allows you to see the manifestation of what God has sent to you. Amen. Okay, so you get born again, you get in the word, you obey, and now let me just give you a couple of examples and then we're gonna close. Go with me to Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. Daniel chapter three. Verses 19. I'm not going to read all of them. Let me just tell the story. I won't read all this passage. It's it's too long. This is the story about the three Hebrew boys. The three Hebrew boys were living in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar said, when I play the music, you bow down before the graven image. Now, if that was you, what would you do? Oh, you guys are not answering. If God does not help us to change the course of events in America, we will get there. You you don't understand the plan of the enemy. You think all these things, all all, all all these machinations, you think it's just little by little by little by little, the enemy wants to gain ground until it's open game. It's open game. It's open game. But the issue is if you are confronted on your job and your boss says, Bow down to my image, or your promotion is out of the window, what would you do? Many of us will say, Can I lay down with the image? (laughs) I won't just be bowing down, I'll sleep with the image. I want my pay raise, I want my promotion. God is not here. Nobody will see me. Let me ask you with the image. These three Hebrew boys said, no. And they knew that when they said no to that king in that day, it is a death sentence. Here in America, you can file civil you have ACLU. You can file all kinds of lawsuits. The thing will be in the Supreme Court for the next 19 years. Nothing will happen to you. Back then, that's not the case. The moment they said no, death sentence fiery furnace. The king was so annoyed, he said, in fact, for you guys to disobey me, turn it up higher. Make make it hotter. Seven times hotter. Seven times hotter. And they threw them bound into the fiery furnace. The question is, why were they willing to be thrown into the fire? They were at rest. It did not matter. They've taken account that what is the worst thing that can happen? It can lead to death but it will not end in death. Amen. Because if they died, they knew they could be resurrected. Yes. King, what is the worst that you can do? I'm at rest. I'll take my lot. I'll take my chance with Jesus.
1: Yes.
0: And he said, King, do your worst. Yes. They burned them threw them into the fire. When you read the passage, you'll see it. And the Bible said, this heathen king saw an unexplainable thing. So what in the world is God?" let me put on my goggles. Shh. What is happening? I threw three men into this fire. Now I see four. Watch this. He said, the fourth one is like the son of God. How did he know? How did he know who the fourth person was? Because wherever Jesus steps up, there's revelation. Hallelujah. 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 He said, my God, I only threw three here, but there is a fourth person. Not only that, all the guys that were accomplices, that helped him to throw them in the fire, they were all burnt. And God sent a divine air conditioner into that fire and kept those men. Folks, when you read the passage, the Bible said this heathen king made a declaration Wow, there is no other God but the God of Meshach, Shidrach, and Abednego. And as a result of that, it's a promoter. The pain you are going through, the delay you are experiencing, the wilderness you are in, don't cause it. Because the very place you are you are right now is God's platform for your promotion. It is his platform to bring you to a well-watered place. Don't complain. Don't murmur. Don't grumble. Understand that the enemy does not have your number. It doesn't matter what is happening. God is bigger. He says no weapons that's formed or fashioned against you shall prosper. He didn't say it didn't happen. Wait, wait, wait. He did not say the things will not happen. He did not say the weapons will not come. He just said it will not prosper. Yes. Their intention will not come to pass. He will keep you. He kept the three evil boys. And the king said, because they trusted in their God, they rested. One last passage. One last passage. Oh my God. It's 10 minutes to 12? Okay. Acceleration. I'm done. In Matthew chapter 4, In verses 34, 38. Jesus told us his apostles, let's go to the other side. Right. Yeah. Now, the son of God, God is speaking, he, go he, he, yeah. he said, let us go to the other side. Did he know there's going to be trouble? Did he know there will be storms on the way? In spite of knowing there will be storms on trouble, he said, let us go to the other side. They got in the boat, they were going, and then the storm came. And they became afraid. Listen to what He said. Careless, not that we perish. What? God does not care just because your book is rocking? You think God, just because the book, he doesn't care any longer? What kind of short memory is that? He doesn't multiply the loose. Fed the hungry. He raised the dead. Open blind eyes. Now you are in some serious problem and you think he does not care. Yes, he cares he took care of the problem before he told you to get in the boat. The solution was already packaged in the instruction he gave. As we enter into this new year, let it be a year not just of resting in the finished work, but a year of the unveiling and the revelation of who Jesus is. Let him bring you closer so you can get a vantage Viewpoint and Amen. see from a clearer place the things is already planned for your life. Amen. You are not going to go down, no. you are not going to be destroyed. Yes. It, the devil will never, he can never succeed against your life. Amen. It is not possible. Let's rest on our feet. Let's fast on our feet. Let's rest on our feet. Hallelujah. Just take this off. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. God is already finished your life before He began it. You are not going under. You are not going under. You win, you win, and you keep on winning. Your children will win. And they keep on winning. Your grandchildren will win. And they keep on winning. In the name of Jesus. Father, once again, we want to give you thanks for the end of another year. We bless your name for your love towards us. What can we render to you tonight? What can we give you for your loving kindness, for your tender mercies? You say you will daily load us with benefits, you forgive our iniquities, you heal our diseases, you redeem our soul from destruction, you crown our heads with your tender, loving kindness, you renew our youth as the ego. And you satisfy our mouth with good things. And so tonight, Father, we say thank you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you as we go into this new year. We pray with great anticipation. We thank you that everything about us in this new year will be bigger, better, in the name of Jesus. God, we lift our eyes unto you. You are the maker of heaven and earth. You saw this day before it arrived. And Lord Jesus, we do not take you for granted. We bless your name. That Jesus will be real in every aspect of our lives in this new year in the name of Jesus. Those of us who are not born again, the power of your spirit will bring a conviction upon us and reveal the glory of the Son of God and bring us into a relationship. And for those of us that are already born again, my Lord and my God, I'm thanking and I'm praying now, in Jesus' name, that we have a deeper walk with you, intimacy with you, that we come to experience you and partake of this eternal life, quality life that you've given us in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We praise your name. Oh Mama Let's just pray in the spirit for a minute. Let's pray heaven's language.
1: Just continue to pray. Just continue to pray. Thank you, my God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies that are renewed upon us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, we bask in your love. Our confidence is in your love. We thank you as we step into 2018. This is our confidence, oh God, that you love us. And because you love us, oh God, we are confident that our story in 2018 is beautiful. We give you praise. It is our year of rest. It is a year of rest where we are completely relying on you, where we are completely dependent on you because you are a dependable God because you are a reliable God because you are a faithful God because you are a good God because you are an intentional God father we bless your name tonight we're so grateful for the beginning of another year we look unto you oh God our eyes are fixed upon you oh God thank you we gladly with anticipation we enter into this year with anticipation of a good thing to come with anticipation of great things to come with anticipation of great testimonies father we look we behold we look we behold we thank you oh god as we begin to step into this year as we look towards this year in the next minutes to come in a few seconds to come we thank you oh god come on everybody lift up your hands tonight come on lift up your hands tonight Come on, lift up your hands tonight. Come on, lift up your hands tonight. We look unto 2018. It is our year. It is our year. We see a beautiful year ahead of us. We see a great year ahead of us. We see a great year ahead of us. We see a year of testimonies. We see a year of good news. We see a year of healing. We see a year of restoration. We see a year of increase. We see a year of blessing. We see a year of overflowing. Lord, we thank You, O God. We thank You, O God. We thank You, O God. We give You praise tonight, O God. We give You praise tonight, O God. We give You praise tonight, O God. Come on, come on, come on, how?